What's up, everyone? I'm Dylan Sawyer. Welcome to the Dylan Sawyer Show. Uh, this is going to be my weekly podcast. We're going to be doing it consistently every week, every Monday we'll post. And I have my first guest here, Sean Driscoll. Welcome, Dad. <laughs> Great to be here. Yeah. So this episode, we're going to be covering my story, how I sold over $10 million before turning 18 and over 100,000 pairs of shoes. Killing. So we'll hop right into it. We'll start back in 2017 before I started and what sparked my interest into reselling and e-commerce in general. And that started as just a passion for shoes. I always liked shoes. I always wanted to have the nicest like Jordans, Yeezys, all of that. And in 2017, at that time, Yeezys were selling for double the price, every single release consistently. So I knew if I could get a few pairs, I could keep one for myself and sell the rest to make a profit. And that's exactly what I did. So the first item I actually sold were the Yeezy 350 Blue Tints in December of 2017. I got five pairs of those, sold four and kept one for myself. I tried a couple of the drops before, but I didn't hit any. But I successfully got those, and that kind of started my journey and led us to where I am today. Um, I didn't do much shoes after that. I kind of took the process slowly. I did a lot of Supreme the following year in 2018. That's what I was doing. It was during school, so it was very tough. My school, <laughs> my school was no phones. So oh my god! It, it was it was a rough time. I'd have to go in the bathroom every Thursday at 11 and go for the drop on my phone. We we get the call, Mr. Driscoll, Ms. Driscoll. <laughs> we got Dylan's phone again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always it. Always. Yeah. At one point, they literally made me bring my phone to the principal in the morning just because of how many times they caught me on it doing business stuff. <laughs> in a lot of ways, to me, like this all even started before that. And I was just going to put some stuff out there. Mm -hmm. Like, I like to think of um, the process as starting from the time he's a kid, like just noticing things going on in our lives that like I could tell traits or things were there and they were interesting traits but I couldn't figure out how they would possibly come together you know what what he was going to do but one of the first things I noticed is that he watched Dylan watched carefully everybody to learn and he would complete the process of just studying every everything they did before he would undertake a particular project or try to do something and in that way I think he mitigated any mistakes or tried to figure out the best way to go about things and that served him so well later on as an as an entrepreneur and he's just going along and the other thing that i noticed about him was social skills like i noticed like when we were at school you know um you you were very good with both adults and kids and the first time we recognized that, I'll tell him the story about when you're three. Mm -hmm. when, and we're, <laughs> he's trying out for his school. It's a private school in Savannah. And he went there and uh, my wife, Julie, and I, we did the interview. And then they take him off and do his little interview. And then they want to talk to us. And they had Dylan go out on the playground. And my wife and I are chit-chatting back and forth in the president of the school heads out headmaster and starts talking to us and dylan's sitting out there all by himself little kid he's like three years old playing by himself and the teacher comes out with two classes and they were first second maybe third graders and they're playing and the first thing she says to all the kids before they get to the playground is be careful of the baby and, <laughs> and my wife and i go what and, and so all the kids go running out there and they're looking at dylan and then they start this chant 
baby, baby. And then they start running around and they start chasing Dylan. And as they're chasing him, he's running around the playground as hard as he can. He's running, running, running. And he's big old grin on his face. And he just jumps up and he turns around and screams at him. And they all stop on their tracks. And there's like like 40 kids or so. They all just scream and they start running the other direction. He starts chasing them. And then it dawned on us, well, he's going to be all right. He's got some social skills. And those social skills, though, I'm, I, they parlayed really well into becoming a an adult, I noticed a lot of times, like when we were families and stuff, the grown-ups treated you with great respect. And like even when we would go to see friends, my friends, mm -hmm. and people would tell me afterwards, this is a really cool kid. I mean, I, I don't mind being around this guy any day because he had a way of being quiet, asking questions, being polite, and all those things. So that natural comfort with people went a long way, I think, in the entrepreneurial role. And it was a beautiful yeah. process to see. And the other huge trait, and I'll quit dominating the conversation. <laughs> you know, go for it. But the other really cool trait um, was this knack for organization. Like so, and he got that from his mom. Trust me. I mean, I don't think that you know it comes from me at all. But he had this thing about soldiers, little green army men, and so we would buy him um, Little Green Army men in batches and every time we'd like go to the to like play video games or whatever in the arcades, he'd win all these points and he'd just want the army men. And so we'd get bunches of them and finally one uh, Christmas we brought him a thousand of them. We lined them up all around the house. And when we would go out and he would play, I would see that he would organize them and set them uh, based in their roles, what they would be doing. And it would be for purpose. So we had this organization with a directive for purpose. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think as time went on, it was beautiful. He did his Legos, all these men. He had a thing about that, getting them organized and always for a purpose in battle or whatever. All that, I think, greatly, greatly helped um, for online arbitrage and just in general entrepreneurship. You know, those skills, those traits went so far, I think, that you were actually naturally born to do a lot of the things you do now. Yeah. So that's really just starting way before you just started. <laughs> yeah, so. that is starting back at the beginning. But that all of those skills, and especially communicating with people and just making relationships and connections, that played probably the biggest part into my success. Like in 2017, when I had those Yeezys, I sold them to a store called Off The Wave. And they had a huge impact on the beginning of my resale journey. I would sell a lot to them. I would buy from them. It was really cool guys. Josh and Zay, shout out to you guys. Yeah. One thing that uh, yeah. Zay did for me, he was a botter back then. So he already had like resale experience under his belt. He was already hitting a lot of pairs on releases. He took my phone one day in 2018 and he said, make a new Twitter account and follow all of these people. And all of them were sneaker Twitter people, big accounts. Um, people who I still communicate to with this day. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy how all the way back then it led to the that. The amazing thing about the whole group of arbitrage guys and or wholesale guys is this ability to work together to coach one another. Mm -hmm. And those guys early on that we met, that you met, that took you under their, their wings and really worked with you and ta taught you what they knew. Yeah. Super guys, so amazing that they would take the energy and the time to, to want to train somebody. And at that, those early years, I mean, it's an amazing thing that happens to a young young guy looking at entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other guy is your coach, your basketball coach. Yeah. Um, 
you know, to school, we had this amazing coach, and he could really guide Dylan about life through the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. And um, so shout out to Coach. Yeah, Coach Abrams. Yeah, I I learned a lot from him, especially about discipline and just – putting in work like oh. one one of the biggest lessons that he taught one day he asked me i was in like seventh grade or something like that he goes do you have a debit card and i was like no i don't and he explained everything to me and he said to get money out of the atm you have to put money into the atm and he used that analogy for basketball but that translated directly into business you won't get the results if you're not putting in the work which which brings me to a question because that was one of the other points i wanted to make was mm-hmm. this incredible set of ethics in terms of work, you know, Mm -hmm. how hard you were willing to work. Like, I mean, with basketball, he would be in the gym every day, three or four hours a day, no matter what. And when you go on vacation, (laughs) we have to plan the vacation around finding a gym to practice basketball. And um, so that work ethic, where do you think you got that? Was it from Coach Abrams? I don't really know. It's kind of hard to say. I think it's a mix of a lot of things, but that definitely instilled a really good work ethic into me. Anything that I'm super passionate about, I'm putting in 100% of my effort and going as hard as I can. I play basketball hours every single day for years. And when I realized that I I wasn't really going to be a college or professional athlete and I started the reselling journey and it was starting to work well, that's when I realized I'm going to focus all my energy towards that. That was definitely one of the best decisions I've made, just continuing to focus on reselling and go all out on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it It was an interesting point, you know, for all of us to try to figure out, okay, What's going on? And yeah. Julian are like, well, what's happening here? We we were like yeah. clueless and kind of astounded that any of us working. I remember going down the mall, walking with you. We weren't even in OA yet. We were mm-hmm. just just you had just done the Yeezy deal, yeah. And like you were going uh, along, and you had your phone. I'm what you doing, pal? And he goes, I just made five hundred bucks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, how did you do that? And I'm like, dude, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Five hundred bucks just that, and you know. And he said, yeah, yeah, I did this. And I said, well, tell me more. And so we went on step by step. And it's a long ways from 500 bucks to 5 million bucks. But it it happened. That's the freaky thing. It was just this onslaught of stuff that... uh, just happened over time mm-hmm. quickly and really kind of swept us up. Yeah, there's a lot that went into that. I had very good timing with when I got into everything. Like that yeah. when when Yeezys were coming out when I first started, it was like the best they've ever been. Everything's selling for double. Um, COVID happened at a really good time. I, 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 that's the, yeah, that's, that's the, the, the That's like gasoline on the fire, right exactly. There. Yeah. So I, I was doing virtual school, and you know most schools were not prepared for COVID. So I only had like two classes a week from freshman year on, pretty much. And I had so much more time to focus on the business and work on scaling, learning more, meeting other sellers. And that's probably one of the most important things I've done, just reaching out, talking to other sellers, communicate. I've met hundreds of awesome people in this industry that I still talk to today, even from four or five years ago that I'm still friends with and talk to all the time. Yeah, and back to that, I mean, even now, going from OA to wholesale, there's this incredible group of guys mm-hmm. and girls and whatever, and old and young, yep. that, that work together to take the time to to train and help each other survive, thrive. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Amazon United was incredible. Yeah. Can I, I say something right here yeah. that I think is really interesting? That I've been watching like the Yellowstone series series starting way back, and it's all mm-hmm. about cowboys and all that. And when I was at Amazon United and we were at casino night, mm-hmm. I looked up and I saw you guys at the table, you know. And I'm I'm getting ready to head back to the hotel. I'm looking. I go, 
these guys are like gunslingers. They're like, you know, they the fastest guns, like Billy the Kid, you know, the, the best guys in the West. And I started thinking about this more and more about how like all of Amazon, all of arbitrage, all of the, in fact, the whole online you know, sales universe is like the West, yeah. just like the Wild West. It's like, we're all going out to stake our claims, you know, we're going to look for gold and no bills. <laughs> and and it's, it's so amazing to me because like, we, I see how everybody's finding their positions. Mm -hmm. And and some of us are going for gold. Some of this is just taking the mule and 40 acres, and we're going to farm a little bit. Some of us are like, you know, we're bandits. Some of us are, you know, sh they're shysters, people. That are, we have all that in this, yeah. this universe, and we've been exposed to all that. And your story is really the story about all the cowboys you work with and the gunslingers you, you play fair with and play great with and all the guys that don't the bandits the ones that have tried to get us and mm -hmm. um, and then Amazon itself is yeah. is like the environment of the West where mm -hmm. it's a dangerous place yeah it's a lot of unknowns it's exactly. always changing all the time if you're a cowboy you got rattlesnakes if they bite you you're dead if you got a, a river you got to cross and you don't do it right you drown you're dead mm -hmm. tornadoes you got all these dangers in the wild west and it's the same with amazon or any any platform you're selling in yeah. because you've got these it, they're not self-inflicted they're ex external they're environmental inflictions of changes like mm -hmm. you can get caught up in all kinds of disasters with amazon we'll cover that as we go along in the story and all of the various other stories of meeting people along the way and the wonderful journey anyway yeah let's let's get back to 2018 so i was focusing on pretty much only supreme at that time it's just what i was interested in um and it was consistently dropping but it's not really scalable to the point where i wanted it to be it's only one drop a week sometimes there's not profitable stuff uh, the bot protection changes every week. So I was mainly at that time doing mobile bots like Subbot. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple others that I did really well with, but it's, you're still only getting a couple pairs per release. And that's when one of my friends comes to me and he says, you should go back to doing shoes. You're making a lot more doing shoes. There's more quantity. More people want shoes than Supreme. And I was yeah. like, you're dead on about that. Like it's a much bigger market than uh, Supreme is. And now Supreme is kind of dead right now. It's not dead, but it's like nothing what it used to be. It used to be massive. You used to see it everywhere, but it's kind of slow down a lot now yeah and that leads us into like early 2019 and the days where i started going to the mall a lot so we have one mall here it has like Foot Locker, champs dtlr finish line all the all those big stores and i made a lot of really good connections there we used to go to the mall every oh, single day after awesome. school so those connections i made at the mall led me to getting like 20 30 pairs a day for a very very long time so at that time i started to sell what i call bricks so that's items like Air Maxes, Air Forces, stuff that's not like a hype shoe, like a Jordan 1 or a Yeezy 350, but there's still good money to be made. I learned a lot of that through this group called Brick Chat, which had a huge influence on my success. Uh, that was a really big part of my story, like coming into this. And I still work with one of the owners to this day. He's my partner for another business, the group, FBI AIO. Shout out Danny. And I hey. also send all of my inventory to him. He handles all my fulfillment. And that's a connection I made four or five years ago. So that really... I got to interject. Yeah. I got to interject yeah. because this reminds me of the shootout at Old Mall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. think of the West, this, <laughs> this, whole, this whole story was just like the West. So it was what, on, what was the release? So it was on the Jordan 1 Obsidians. And this was in maybe like August of 2019. <laughs> and a lot of the stores were doing first come, first serve, specifically DTLR. 
and it's kind of on the edge of the mall where it's on the corner where there's a few entrances you can go to to get to the store right, right. and it where everyone's there before the mall's open so none of the doors are open it's just a bunch of people standing outside yeah and there's a bunch of people at every entrance right we, so we covered every entrance with our guys yeah like we were spaced out i think we had four or five at each corner uh, of the entrance and there's one central platform where it kind of mm -hmm. all met before you could go down to dtlr or something. exactly yeah so once the mall door started to open everyone starts walking in it's like 8 a.m at this time and there's people coming from every side of the mall you can think of and what happens is we look at one guy this guy named chris and he has this uh baby stroller <laughs> he's using it to just carry pairs or something it's so I weird think it was a cover i want to give him the benefit of doubt i mean he could have been just waiting for the wife to come with the baby or whatever but he had this baby stroller it was kind of covered like he was going to cram a bunch of shoes in there and be out of the mall yeah and it, it looked clandestine to some degree and anyway go ahead yeah so everyone's walking in from different angles and we look over at him he just starts running to dtlr wait wait you gotta so. cue the music you hear that totally and with that everyone else starts running so it's a full sprinting match to see who gets to the line first and we ended up getting like Wait, second, McLean. third, and fourth. Yeah, because yeah, is... one of my friends was a track runner, so he starts sprinting. He goes past <laughs> everyone. He gets to second. We're we're all throughout the rest of the line. And uh, what ends up happening bad. is oh. people just start arguing. It gets crazy. Really, the cops bad. get called, and they end up just kicking all of us out. They say, "You guys got to go. Come back in a few hours." And we're all like, "What the <laughs> hell are we supposed to do? The mall's open. Shoes are dropping. We got to pick up pairs." And Meanwhile, like every morning, there's this old people group that uh. walks the mall <laughs> and it was just like an old western you know because like they were all as soon as they saw all this action they all cuddled back in the corners they're like what's going on what's going on <laughs> like there's a big shootout they were all paranoid and freaked out and i remember the cops coming and uh and you know chris was arguing with them about how's he here and i was like nah, wrap it up we're out of here the cops are here we're done so we all left mm -hmm. but but a couple of guys that weren't with us mm -hmm. were hiding in the bathroom. Yeah, they just went to go hide. <laughs> and the cops <laughs> cops end up coming in there and it's like, you guys are banned from the mall for the day. You guys got to get out of here. And they ended up kicking them out. And, and I feel bad. the first time they ever tried it. Yeah, that's it, it a was crazy thing. a couple of my friends who were just getting into reselling and they wanted to give it a shot. And that's how it goes for their first day. <laughs> Hilarious. But funny. did we ever get the shoe? Yeah, we did. We got a lot. We got okay. like 30 pairs that released. That was probably the first time I got over 30 pairs on a single release and made like a few thousand bucks in a day. We did a bunch of like in-store pickups from Foot Locker, Champs, Kids Foot Locker, Foot Action. Uh, we did... I think it was DTLR first come first serve and then uh, finish line first come first serve. Right. So we did great on that release. That was definitely one of the first like big times where I got a lot of pairs. Cool. And that was doing well. Um, supplementing that with the bricks, like the, all the Air Maxes, Air Force, stuff like that. That started to get me to like the 20K, 30K a month in sales range. Good. And that was only from going in store at the time. So we were just going every single day, getting like 20, 30 pairs of what I could find for a good price. At that time, Jordan won mid and lows were doing very well in the um, seven through eight and a half or nine and a half and the kid sizes as well just because China was buying those a lot so there's a lot of bulk buyers paying top dollar for shoes like that so I was Ooh. always looking for mids lows stuff like that and that leads us into 
learning more through brick chat and starting to do it online so i started to get a lot more pairs just by searching online they would send out links like there's a couple jordan one mid specifically where they had the link way early and we got hundreds of pairs oh, yeah. so that was the first time like getting a lot of units of a single item it was through brick chat and that was probably late 2019 getting into early 2020 Early 2020, I was consistently doing the bricks. I would get like 30, 40, 50 pairs of release. Started doing botting a little bit. I wasn't too into it because I didn't have an Amex credit card or a big credit limit at the time. So I was mainly running for other people and splitting the profit. But there were definitely some drops where I hit hundreds of pairs for other people, made a lot, and didn't even have to touch the inventory. But botting is just... It's a very dangerous game. It's it's hard to make money doing that unless you have every bot, you have the best proxies, servers. Oh, it's man. not really fun. It's, it's a lot of upfront expenses if you're not <laughs> buying the pairs and keeping all the profit. I remember. I remember it used to be so stressful because oh, like yeah. we would we he'd try to get Julie and I to set up so we can be botting with because because I would be usually at school so right. I have to have them <laughs> help with doing captchas stuff like that. Oh my god, we'd be in there trying. You know, we'd like those. It drops and you're trying to get everything coordinated and we would be like. <laughs> freaking out you know and yeah. julie would be at work even doing it and we got it to work sometimes yeah sometimes it's not. hit or miss with the bots because bot protection changes on every single website pretty much every release there's always going to be something change the people who are hitting a lot are running 10 different bots and they're running multiple copies as well right. so if one does well and none of the other ones do well they have multiple copies run to hit a ton of pairs so right. that's really the only way to be successful bots are kind of dead nowadays i transitioned out of that in 2021 there's a lot more we're going to cover before then so um Early 2020, I was still doing a lot of bricks. I got my first Amex in like June, July of 2020, and that's what changed the game for me. I had a Bank of America card with like a $10,000 limit at the time, and the Amex card gave me 75K right off the bat. So I had immediately eight times my credit. So I was able to work with a lot more money and be able to actually buy the pairs myself instead of running for other people. That was a huge game changer. It was probably one of the biggest things that's happened in the business. And coming into like October, that's when I hit on Nike a bunch. So there's this one guy who ran me on this bot called Dragon. So you might've heard of that. It was the most expensive bot like ever pretty much. That was public. It went for anywhere from like 15 to $20,000. And the reason why this guy ran me is because I got him Amex virtual cards, which he needed badly, and I had a representative that could help out with that. And he was just like, all right, send me your cards. I'll buy you stuff on Nike. And I was like, cool. And then the next day, a massive restock happens. It was a lot of Jordan 1 mids. It was the Smoke Grays, the UNC Lows. It was a couple models that did really, really well. And he basically maxed my card in like 30 minutes, got me like (laughs) 700 pairs. That was the first time I've ever hit more than 100 on a drop. And I made a ton of money from that. And that's when I really saw the potential of botting and just running massive amounts of bots and tasks for releases. And we were at uh, downtown, we were in uh, Paula Dean's restaurant. First time ever going there, we're sitting there eating. And we get a call from what, the neighbor? or No, it was a call from FedEx. Yeah. And they say, hey, we have 300 packages here for you. We're leaving them at your house right now. And we're like, oh, shit, we got to get home and get M- to these boxes. You, that, that doesn't mean 300 shoes. There's a it's lot more. 300. 300. Yeah, it was like eight, seven, 800 pairs. Yeah. It's 300 boxes. It filled yeah. up the whole carport. Yeah. It was a ton of stuff. And <laughs> we had to call. Yeah, it was the first time we had anything close to that. So we called our neighbors like, please get over there. Watch all the boxes and for we, us. We just sure ordered our stolen. food. They were about to bring out the food and everything. We're like, yeah. Sorry, we, we got we got to go. We paid and we <laughs> left, and it was insane. We rushed out there, thinking, "Man, this this could get ripped off any moment." Because our carport is open, yeah, it's open space, and 
later on you'll hear unbelievable stories about over the next few years that carport became our warehouse <laughs> it was insane yeah okay, go ahead sorry so at that point we had all the pairs delivered i sold pretty much all of them to a bulk buyer made like probably 20 25000 off that quick money like very very fast got it everything sold in probably under 10 15 days and that really showed me the potential of how big I could take this. If I made $20,000 for one Nike random restock, God, I was like, awesome. okay, I need this Dragon Bot. So that guy had already had two copies of Dragon, and he split one with me, and he would do all the running for me. So we were hitting a lot of pairs through that, and it was a lot of brick shoes. It wasn't a lot of releases. It was stuff that was like on discount that was on Nike backend, which was a huge part of where I was buying from back in the day. Mm. And that leads us into late 2020, whenever wow. I started to get first like massive, massive amount of pairs. So that was on releases. And by that time, I was kind of out of botting. I didn't really want to run myself, set up servers, set up proxies. It just kind of seemed like a waste of time. And what I did was I had people who didn't have the credit, like I did earlier in the year, right. run it for me. And I would do 50-50 with them. So what we would do is I would just send out a massive list of my Amex virtual cards mm -hmm. and send it to all different people, like five, ten different guys on some releases. And they would all run me on their different bots. And the first time I hit a lot, like over a thousand pairs, was on the Fire Red Jordan 4s. Mm. And that was a huge release for me. That. that was another one where it was like 25K in a day. A thousand pairs there, made like 25, 30 bucks a pair. Could have made a lot more if I held on to them, but it's fine. I needed the money back because... A couple weeks later, I got – this is probably still the most profit I made in a day, like purchasing-wise. It was the Yeezy 350 breads. I got 400 pairs, made about 150 a pair. So that's like 60000 right there. That was probably still the most I made in a singular day of purchasing. It was just so easy back then with all the stimulus money coming in. There was a lot of retros coming out, like the Flint 13s, got a couple hundred pairs of those. And it was easy, $50, $60, $70 profit a pair just because of how much money was coming in from the government. And people just wanted shoes then. It, it, the Last Dance documentary came out during then. That was a huge influence was huge on the Jordans. Jordans yeah. um, I remember that. A lot of things fell into place like perfectly uh, during COVID. And that's honestly, I think the best like reselling or flipping products will ever be that 2020, 2021 early. Um, it was just so easy back then. I wasn't even doing Amazon, but Amazon guys were crushing it with the weights, the pools, um, so much different stuff. Hmm. And that leads us into early 2021. And that's when I got into Amazon. It was uh, February 2021 when I started my Amazon account. And the reason I got started is a couple guys came to me who I still am friends with to this day. And they said, this is a huge opportunity. Look at how much this one shoe sells. It was the Nike Monarchs. And he oh. put it into Jungle Scout, the free sales calculator. And it showed that it sold 7,000 times a month. And I was like, Whoa. wow, I need to be doing this. There's so much more volume, more potential. Right. And the problem is with releases, it's not consistent. You might have two, three good releases in a month. You might have some months where it's only one good release. So Amazon, I just saw as a much more consistent opportunity to make Absolutely. money with long term. Yeah. And I was exactly right about that. Yeah, that's I think when mom and I started going, this is for real. Yeah, this is this is for real. Well, before we were just freaking out. And back to the boat buyers a bit. I mean, there was at one point we you did a deal, and these deals, mind you, are not anything that Julie and I negotiated. Or we we it's total hands off. It's Dylan running the business. I mean, we're we're not doing um, anything about all that stuff. He's mm -hmm. he's he's completely doing all the the negotiating and logistics and all that. But 
I remember a couple of times where it just really hit us like, this is unbelievable what's happening. And, mm -hmm. and it's a train, we better get on it. And we better yeah. go on for the ride because it's crazy. Yeah, that was that was in early 2021. That's when I met uh, one of the biggest buyers, probably the biggest shoe seller in the world. Yeah. I'm not going to name drop no him. No he's in He's in New York yeah, City. Yeah, that's called and you might, you might know him. He has like 100,000 square foot warehouse, sells like millions of shoes per year. And he was the top buyer for Air Force Ones at the time. And that was when everyone was, people were buying Air Force Ones for over retail. And I was like, wow, where the hell are they selling these? So I asked around, found the buyer. He was buying them for 95 a pair. Yeah. And I found a source to get bulk pairs for under retail. So thousands and thousands of pairs. This was right before I started on Amazon, probably like as I got my account open. Uh -huh. And I had one time, it was 1,400 pairs. They drove down to Georgia from New York, like a 14 hour Two drive. Two guys. Two guys had a, some cash and they wired the rest. It was, it was a ton so of money. Oh my God. <laughs> had the money counter going in the kitchen <laughs> like had thousands of, of pairs dollars outside of, did, did, did the money counter <laughs> yeah. mom and dad are going oh i'm freaking <laughs> yeah. out because it just was like man we got to get this straight we gotta we got what about the irs what about this what about that and you know it it totally worked itself out every time mm -hmm. mom and dad would freak out it all worked out but that was so amazing because i remember like when we went to load up the vans because it came those giant sprinters mm -hmm. we had thousand shoes to load in there and we'd have this human chain of everybody going inside the house because the shoes yeah. literally were lined up <laughs> in the house from floor to ceiling. You couldn't even pee. You yeah. couldn't watch TV. I mean, it was everywhere. Uh, uh, you see some of the pictures like yeah. coming up. We, we had uh, shelves all through the family room. Like it was a full out warehouse. A living room, full out warehouse. Dining room, full. The hallways, full out warehouse. Everywhere you look from floor to ceiling with shoes. And then, not only that, we the carport was full. And we had taken an apartment outside and gutted it and turned it into a storage area. That got to be full. Mm. And then we were renting, what, uh, at this point we were renting, we got to up to seven? Seven storage seven units. Yeah, that was probably a little bit units. later into that year. When it came to like Q4, that's what I really like. I had too much stuff. Like it was um, way, way, way too much for a house. And I started looking oh. for a warehouse immediately after that. But rewind a little bit. In February 2021, I'd just done two massive bulk deals for over a thousand Air Forces. And I started up on Amazon and I saw a bunch of the shoes that I was already buying, like the bricks, the Air Forces, Air Maxes, they're already selling super well. I already knew where to buy them from. Mm. So I jumped right into Amazon. I was super confident with my buys. I went yeah. to the outlets a lot. I sold over 100K on my first full month. And I think maybe by month two or three, I had already done like 380,000 in a month. So I got into it very, very fast. That was around May. And then I realized the opportunity of pools. A lot of people were talking about how good it was from last year. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna have to try this out. So at that <laughs> time, we got a Sprinter van. It was very early June, 2021. And we just needed it because there were so many people driving down. I was gonna meet, start meeting them in Virginia and just, Basically, I had a lot of usages for that van, and we got great value out of it. Yeah, I got to say this. I mean, here's a kid, you know, barely got his driver's license, mm -hmm. uh, who just his first car is a Sprinter van for his business, which is amazing. And he is, like, doing these major deals, getting on the expressway, going all the way up 95 to D.C., Pennsylvania, you know, Philly, wherever, and sometimes by himself, a lot of times by himself mm -hmm. with these giant truckloads of shoes because I'm doing my job. Julie's doing her job. She's got a flower shop. I got my business. We ha we're still running our businesses. 
And so we would just let him do this, but yeah. we only did that because we trusted you. Yeah. We had watched him grow all these years doing these deals from that first $350 you borrowed to do the first few shoes mm -hmm. all the way up to $100,000, $200,000 deals. We'd seen him make promises, deliver, make profit, and we'd seen him through some bad times, some yeah. unfortunate crazy times which mm -hmm. we probably should tell a few yeah of yeah yeah so in 2021 uh, I'll, I'll get to that soon that was in q4 of 2021 where we had a yeah. huge nightmare with a bulk buyer but i started to do pools a lot i would do walmart in-store pickup and i would just drive all around the state or some i would go out of state but there's so many walmarts in georgia like i'm just driving all around who was, hours who was beside you yeah this man right here <laughs> the goat <laughs> and I, I would be driving he would do work on his computer then we would get there he'd help me load up the pools uh, we, we were doing that every day. Talking about a hundred pound, a lot of hundred, hundred fifty yeah. pound pools. I mean, I'm like, Big give ones. up the gym membership, forget about <laughs> it. You're killing yourself. I mean, these things were massive. Yeah. I remember the first time we went to get one, we put it in the back of my um, RAV4, and as we put it in there, I heard something go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, these things are heavy, man. These things, they really were. They were amazing. And, and getting them into the uh, carport and the warehouse, we finally gave up on trying to hide anything. I mean, we, we covered everything, but we figured, man, anybody that could try to come in and steal this stuff out of the carport, yeah. more power to them. Yeah. <laughs> they were sitting outside for like months. Yeah. Like, there's a point where we went to New York sometime in that. I met the bulk buyer. Uh, himself because before he was sending just drivers down so i met him that was a great trip i met danny in person for the first time i met a lot of people who i really wanted to see uh there's so many people in the new jersey new york area like that's just like the hub of reselling and amazon i feel like um and while we were there i had i, I contacted one of the people who used to run bots for me because i saw that one of these pools that i was buying kept restocking on walmart's online website so i was like hey if you can bot this like i'll, I'll give you a good amount of money per pool and he comes to me. He gets 300 in a day while I'm in New York. <laughs> and I was like, man, these are shipping to a house. Like, I can't take 300, 150 pound pools. Like, it was just ridiculous how much it was. So I ended up taking maybe like 150 to 200. And we had to refuse the delivery on the rest because we had no space at all. So our whole driveway was just pallets with pools on them with tarps over them so that they wouldn't get ruined by the rain it was hundreds out there and i just slowly kept selling them getting them out slowly but it was and a, we did it yeah we did we it actually, we ended up getting rid of we all had of them a few left over yeah uh, we finally got rid of the last one a, a few months ago that had been just laying around but mm -hmm. we we moved through basically all those pools you made money made good money off. yeah it was great money off the pools i did a little bit of chlorine wasn't into that as much as some other people about I killed were. employees though oh yeah <laughs> the, when we were out of town in new york and all that was delivering we had uh one guy who was doing a lot of work shout out to you joe, joe and baby. um yeah. he was moving he brought one of his friends they were moving all of these pools into the carport and around yeah. getting them on the pallets and it was a lot of work it was hot as shit outside too it was oh, like 9500 degrees yeah um it, it pools were a very very hard work Work, but it was worth it in the end. I learned a lot from them. Yeah, definitely. It is overall a good item. But after pool season, I was probably like, it ended kind of early August. So that's when I started to just buy a lot of shoes again. I went right back into shoes. During that time, I was doing a lot of pool. I didn't really even get that many shoes, mainly pools at that time. But I started to buy a lot of shoes again, started to hit the outlets like three, four times a week, do a lot of arbitrage, got more Air Forces. And I started to really, really ramp it up coming into uh, Q4. 
And that leads us to Black Friday 2021. That's still probably the most in sales I've done on Amazon to this day. Yeah, and that's just because I had a lot of shoes that were selling like crazy fast, like 500 to 1,000 sales rank, really good margin. And I listed it all merchant fulfilled that day. There was a lot less competition on some of these listings back then. There was like seven sellers a size. I sold like 700 of those in a day. And wow. I ended up doing 82,000 that day. That's an amazing so, day. Really yeah, was. but I learned a lesson there. I should have held it a little bit longer and waited for more of those people to sell it to get higher prices. Right. I could have spaced right. it out and made more money. And that's what I ended up doing in 2022. So maybe my highest sales day wasn't that big, but I made more and I spread it out better, which is what you should be doing. You shouldn't try and sell everything all at once. You should kind of let it sit a little bit, see what the prices do and hold it on, hold it from there. I got to do one more shout out to all those kids, all this, your classmates and yeah. from St. Andrews and all the guys that work for you. Thank you so much. Yeah. We really appreciate everything you guys did. I mean, that got us through some tough times. We were uh, able to hire, what, four or five at a time sometimes, coming mm -hmm. out to work in the evenings. Working They'd be out, the out in the rain, hauling yeah. heavy stuff. I mean, it was brutal. Going from Especially the storage, storage units. <laughs> yeah, storage it's unit. completely outdoor. It could be uh, super cold, super yeah. rainy, oh, super hot. It was, it was every it was, type of weather you could think of at it, that storage unit. Yeah. But that leads us back to what we are saying, one of the troubles we had. So this is one of the lows in the story. So I was buying Essentials hoodies, the Fear God Essentials. Oh. And I bought like 3,000 on one release. It was about 270,000 worth of them. So I had a huge credit card bill and most of my money was tied up in that. And that kind of led me to never buying like resale stuff again. I moved out of the shoes and uh, Yeezys, Jordans earlier th that year. So like May, April, 2021. But still those essential hoodies, I thought it was gonna be easy, quick sell, sell it to a bulk buyer, make like 10, 15% on it. So I sold a thousand pretty quick, got it all, sold it all and got the money but... quick. And then 2000 of them, I was gonna bring it up to a buyer in Philadelphia. So it was on like a Friday night or something when they got delivered and he's like, cool, I'll wire you Monday for it. So that Monday comes, he's like, yo, I don't have the money right now. It was just like a $200,000 deal. Oh. And it ended up taking him a month to pay me. And I had massive bills. Due. I wanted to get taxes. that money back. Taxes, yeah. Everything. I wanted to get that money back so I could buy more for Amazon. So it really held me up. I wasn't able to spend as much as I wanted to. I was so impressed and, with you, though. Yeah. It, I, it, I was impressed with you handling it. Because, yeah. like, mom and I are going, you know, what? What are we going to do with this? This is... And there are sleepless nights as a parent with an entrepreneur son, I, mm -hmm. I promise you. And we were getting close to that. But Dylan had an amazing ability to think through solutions rapidly under pressure. Mm -hmm. And I was so impressed when you negotiated with the creditors, you dealt with those guys on the phone consistently, pressuring, keeping the pressure up. Mm -hmm. You w looked at all the other things you could move that happened to be in in various places in the supply chain and distribution chain and till we got through this crisis yeah virtually unscathed i mean yeah we made it, but we, we paid the credit cards the guy ended up having to pay me on his credit card so i don't know what the hell happened to him so, i don't know but yeah god bless him because it was a it was a nice family they were good people yeah guys, and what, what it was was he was just a middleman that's a horrible business to be in when you're buying to make two three percent and sell it to another buyer it's just not worth it and no. at that point his buyer wasn't paying him so he just kind of screwed me over yeah. and there's not much I could do in that situation like other than to just not do it again. Yeah. And I, after that, I didn't buy a hyped item ever again since then. It, 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 there again, it's the wild west, man. Yeah. Out there, anything there, can happen. Anything can happen. You know, and there mm -hmm. are people that they're bandits. This was not a true bandit. We've met true bandits. There were true bandits at the, at the outlets 
when we were buying one day in, in bulk, we're out there buying, and um, Dylan pulls a van around. I'm coming around the other side to meet them, and I'm coming out, and then I see like seven, eight guys running out, armloads full of Nike shoes, <laughs> and they're screaming and laughing, and they stop in front of a family that they're loading up the car, and they just grab their bags too, whatever they could, yeah, and they ran crazy. off and laughing. I'm on the phone, get in the van because we have I don't know, probably a hundred twenty pairs. Yeah, out, yeah. out in the parking There's lot, a bunch right of Nike bags. I'm like. freaking out. Get in, the, get in everything in the van, get everything in the van, <laughs> and we go back. You know, come to find out, like Nike says, it happens all the time. It's grab and go, rob. You know, and robbery and um, basically said nothing they can do about it. Nothing like, they, they can do about it. We're anything. not gonna chase them down. We're not gonna shoot guns about anything like this. But mm -hmm. I was panicking it for y'all because I'm like, yeah. dude, you got all these shoes sitting there, and they're grab and go bandits out there, t just going for it. So yeah. So we got through the essentials hoodies. Never bought a hyped item again. And I knew the only thing I should be focusing on is Amazon and just finding more profitable inventory for there. Absolutely. So that's exactly what I did. That leads us to early 2021, January, or 2022, I mean, sorry. And that's when I signed my warehouse lease. It was a 4,000 square foot warehouse in Actually, Savannah, Actually, 4,500. No, it wasn't. It's 4,200 with that. The only space. reason I say that is because uh, this had this really amazing office space. Yeah. But it duplicated the office space up above it, which yeah. I always counted. I added it. In that extra space because yeah. it's kind of floating above the it was really amazing well it was the incredible it air was conditioned. a fully ac really really nice what offices it was an amazing warehouse but i wasn't doing the volume to justify it really because i know people now who have a 2000 3000 square foot warehouse who prep 25 30000 units a month and we were doing like 6 7 8000 at the most because we're doing shoes mainly uh, with shoes, it's a high average sale price. So if you're doing 7,000 shoes a month, you're doing three, 400K. It's a lot, a lot of volume, but it's not a lot of units. So it would have been much better if I had just sent to a prep center. It was still a good experience being in there. And I learned a lot. I learned how to run a warehouse, but the problem is it's just too expensive, too much time managing employees. I was in there for about a year and a half. I moved out like two, three months ago in June. And since then, I've been going all prep centers, not touching any products, and it's probably the best decision I've made. I really regret signing that. I don't really regret it because yeah, no, it was a, a super lot. lesson. It, it, yeah, it was it was a fun time too. It really but was. But I would have made a lot more money if I had gone all through prep centers, right, and that's right. what I know now for the future. I'm never going back to a warehouse, never touching a product again. Right. And just totally see that. I mean, if you say never, never, but I mean, there may be very well be a time where we have have to do that when you reach a certain volume, right? That's that true. That, that would be at probably the 15 to 20 million a year mark. When I'm doing like 40,000 units a month, something like that, it probably would okay. make sense to do a warehouse. But still, I don't know if I would justify it just because of how much time it's, it's running a second business practically. Yes, it is. It's a lot of time put and into thank that. Thank God for Danny. Shout out to Danny. Yeah, shout out to Danny. <laughs> he does pretty much all my prep now. Um, they, they do really, really good work there. And it, it's so nice to have that taken off my hands. What's the name of Danny's uh, Quick Prep. Quick Prep. So go shoot them a follow and hit have them up if you're looking for uh, prep inquiries or anything like that. They're the best in the business. Just opened in Delaware, which is awesome because they're in New Jersey currently, which is tax exempt on shoes, clothes, grocery, and any other essential items. But for beauty products and like health and household, there's still sales tax. Yeah. But in Delaware, there's no tax for anything. So he now has every kind of 
place location you need you want to have a warehouse in the northeast because just where all the distributors are Absolutely. the amazon fulfillment centers are a lot of them are there it's quick check-in times for those as well i've noticed a faster check-in time for the new jersey centers compared to the charlotte centers right, right. so uh, that's a big influence too so if you're buying and shipping to like montana oregon some of those places they're going to take days to even get to the fulfillment center you're going to slow down how quickly your inventory gets checked in by a lot so that's one um thing i recommend to all beginners or people looking to get a prep center look in the northeast it's the best place to get one yep check danny out yeah. <laughs> cool i will have a link for him Let's go back to December 2022. So that's when I kind of realized that buying shoes at a large scale and not dealing with returns or just putting it to the side was a big problem. Because at the end of the year, I had my employee do a, like an inventory count on all the stuff that I just put to the side, all the stuff that came back from Amazon pretty much. And it was 1,100 pairs. I thought it was a lot less than that. It was way more wow. than I expected. Yeah. I was like, that's like 40,000, 50,000 worth of stuff. I need Sit to focus there. on that immediately. Yeah. So what I did was I immediately stopped buying shoes after December was over. And I started looking at wholesale and looking at into other things. I did a lot of different categories in 2022. I did a lot of seasonal items. Uh, like grocery, uh, still a lot of clothing, cold weather clothing, stuff like that that I'm still buying to this day. And it and worked. Do very, very well. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot better than shoes. It's a lower return rate. I, I have a better margin now. So that's the main thing that matters. And the problem is with the shoes is just people will just wear them and send it right back. Like High return We rate. had tons. In, I had 300 pairs that I sold to a liquidator for $15 a pair that were all beat, like completely filthy yeah, like more. i couldn't do anything with it's like it, really. we're wearing for a month and just send it back and exactly. they trash them completely and yeah. we got high heels back we As, got weird stuff <laughs> we didn't yeah, even sell at all exactly that, that happened a lot more more than i would like and, and that that goes back to that whole wild west thing you know when you look at amazon uh, these platforms they are not out to protect you you know, mm -hmm. and that's a, a, it's one of those environmental issues like that you just run into where the environment can get you if you're not careful about what you're doing. You have to learn the environment. You have to learn the day. You got to learn where the snakes are, you mm -hmm. know, and that was certainly a snake in the field that we didn't quite think would be that bad, you know, yeah. it would bite us back. But we For covered sure. it. We did well. How did you what did you do eventually to get rid of everything? Oh, so we had 300 pairs go to the liquidator. Around six to 700, we were actually able to send back to Amazon. We just had to wipe it off. Most of them were in replacement boxes. So it's very hard to tell like what was what. There's no UPC on the outside of the box. So we couldn't scan it in. Right. So we just had to look through it one by one and just see, oh, it's this shoe. I'll look on Amazon, try and find it. If we can't find it, we'll probably go to the liquidator. Yes. And then around two to 300 pairs, I ended up sending to my mom. She has a gift shop here God in Savannah. And she can sell just stuff. That, there's a lot of walk-in customers, tourists. She can sell the stuff that has like a little scuff mark, a little bit of dirt, where I wouldn't want to send it into Amazon because a customer would probably complain, give an authenticity complaint, a customer condition complaint, something like that. Yeah. So I just sell for her, sell it for like 40% off retail. It's a lot of like Converse, Air Forces, the stuff that an everyday person would want to buy. Yeah. A lot of the outlet stuff that was like that, I ended up just sending to the liquidator because it's, it's hard to sell an outlet shoe outside of the Nike outlet and Amazon. Like right. there's not really many places where someone's gonna buy like a grade school Star Runner 3, something like <laughs> yeah, that, where it's like the pink color and yeah. I have 10 per size. Like it's very, very hard to move something like that outside of Amazon or the Nike outlet. So with stuff like that, I know just selling to the liquidator, getting rid of it. And that, I got rid of everything in probably two months. But it, during that two months, 
I wasn't really buying anything. I transitioned out of shoes. Right. So it's much more difficult to spend a lot of money when you're not buying shoes because let's use like on clouds or hokas, for example, you'll, you'll get it for like 110, 120 a pair. And if you get 200 pairs of that one shoe, you're spending 25 grand on that right there. Right. For clothing, you, the average cost is going to be like 20, $25, something around there. Right. And you're going to have to buy thousands to spend that same amount of money. So yeah. you're going to have to find higher volume listings, um, stuff that's just as profitable. But spending that much money is hard. I'm still like, I'm pretty much at the same sales as I was last year. We'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. So 2020, I did just over a million. 2021, I did about 2.8, 2.9. Last year, I did like 3.2 million. And this year, I'll do probably 3.5. But some of my uh, earlier months are lower than they were in the previous years just because I was making a huge transition. Transition. But out of the warehouse? That was another big thing. Moving out in June, I wasn't buying for like probably three to four months out of the year just because we're moving a lot of stuff, liquidating the old stuff. And checking out wholesale the whole time. It was a lot of factors going into all that. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Being in wholesale is also another big transition. It's it's a lot harder to start off with. Sure. With arbitrage, you can go find links right off the bat. But with wholesale, you might talk to 20 suppliers and none of them are profitable. Right, right. So we went to a couple uh, trade shows for wholesale this year. Yeah. We went to ASD in March, ASD in Vegas. I went to Atlanta Market in January and um, July. And we leave for Philly tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to Expo East tomorrow, so I'm excited for that. We'll see how that goes. But ASD is really where it's at for the wholesale stuff. That was fun. In March, I didn't really buy much. I was just kind of seeing what it's like. It was my first time going to like a huge show like that. I met a lot of sellers there, and I met a lot of distributors as well. So I kind of got to see like what brands are there consistently, what products are there consistently. And in August, I went with a list of brands and products that I already wanted with the ASIN, the UPC, right. how much I wanted, how much I wanted to pay for it. So while I was at the show, I spent 75000 and there's a lot more Amazon people there. So I met a ton of really cool guys. Really great guys. It was, yeah. it was probably one of my favorite trips I've ever been on. Like there was uh, seller meetups with like 200, 300 people after the events at some of the hotels, which is pretty crazy. Can I ask you something? And, and I, I'm not really, I mean, I have been through the, the wholesale process, some with you, but I'm curious, do you ever like look at weight and size as a factor in buying for warehousing and all that kind of stuff? Is that a consideration at all? So it's the the weight and size is factored into the price per item, like the fee that Amazon charges. Right. But there is certain things that even if it's profitable, I'll avoid. So one thing I did in 2022, I bought a lot of oversized decorations, like huge, huge, like snowmen, uh, deer yeah. sets, like all this random shit. And I bought it from a website and it was all good at that time. And then I just had got it in, sent it off to Amazon and then they dropped everything 40% off. So I was like, shit, that's going to really, really affect the pricing. Right. And that was a pain. I didn't end up selling through all of them just because of how low the price tanked. I was trying to hold it and get a better price. Learn my lesson there. Just get rid of it. Like if you're selling a decoration, it needs to be gone by like December 5th. You, you don't want to have that by December 15th, December 17th because people don't want it at that point. The volume slows down so much. It's ridiculous. It'll yeah. just stop selling one day and it's boom. It's never selling again. Yeah. Same thing with advent calendars, a lot of things like that. There's yeah. a cutoff date and if you're past that point, you're not going to be able to sell it. So I did a removal order. I maybe have like 50 of those big decorations left but i was charged a massive removal order fee Whoa. and it was just a huge headache even getting them shipped in it was a lot of money to ship out because it might like only a hundred of those decorations are going to be like 10 pallets worth and i had hundreds of them so it was a lot to ship in i just don't want to deal with oversized items again gotcha so i guess 
the next thing that comes to mind for me is at some point you have to realize you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Yep. You just X out when you, as best you can on the losses and cover your costs as best you can. So exactly. far we've done really well with that. Like yeah. we've we've not gone un- underwater on a lot of things. No, it's it's honestly pretty rare. And with a lot of this stuff now, like certain websites like Nike.com or whatever, a lot of people are buying from there. So the price might go down for two months. But now that I've had capital built up for a really long time and I can hold on to stuff, right. I'll just buy it, hold it for three months, and it'll be 40% ROI. People will sell it for 10 15%. A lot of people don't really know their numbers and how much they're making per product. Sure. So that's a huge issue with a lot of sellers. So they're selling it for way too low. But all these guys are going to sell out eventually, and the price is going to go back up. Right. So that's one thing that I do a lot. Especially nowadays, I'm holding a lot of inventory, uh, especially for Christmas time. Uh, it's just really good to do that to separate yourselves from the competition. There's stuff that goes on sale now, like certain clothing items that you're not going to find a better price for when it comes to that time. Yeah. Uh, especially cold weather, a lot of groceries, some of the advent calendars, stuff like that. It's just not you're not going to get it at this good of a price. So the people who are going to make the most money are buying it now, holding it till Christmas. And there's stuff that I bought even in August, early August that I'm not even gonna plan on selling until December 5th, December sure. 10th. Right. And by that point, I'll be making 100% ROI when I could be selling it now for 25, 30%. I'd rather hold on to it when I know it's a winning product. If you're new to this. It's, which, not, it's not good to do that if you're new. No, I would say they're definitely not. But it is a fascinating process to watch people do it. And it's really almost like you're uh, watching a day trader doing stocks. I mean, yeah. I see, I look at him when he's at work and I see him with these massive charts and lines and he's figuring out all kinds of factors to figure profitability mm-hmm. and risk. And it's the same thing. It's essentially, this is like trading stocks. Uh, it moves fast. You've got to be nimble and you've got to think fast on your feet and be bold and fearless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when it comes to December because volume is double, triple what it is in like August, let's say. Yeah. And for a lot of items, the price is going to be going up and down all day, every day. So what I do now, I'm going to try and do all my buys by Black Friday and then just focus on repricing after that. So what what percentage would you consider your business profits the most? You know, what's the greatest portion of the year percentage wise? It's obviously Christmas, but how, yeah. how much? So that's a good question. So it's probably from October to December, that's probably 60, 65, maybe even 70% of the profit. Just because if you sell or if you buy a lot and hold like I do, you can sell 800,000, 700,000. I did 700K in 30 days last year, wow. which is crazy. It's just the volume's different during Christmas. There's nothing like Santa. There's nothing that that Christmas spirit. There's nothing like it. There's no other holiday close to that. Yeah. And uh, this year, my goal is a million for 30 days. And I can make it easy 15% profit margin. So that's 150K in 30 wow. days right there. Wow. Which is would be a good percentage of the year and, and include November and October in that. And it'll be like over half. So funny because I listen to this and I go, he makes more money in a month than I do in a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, pretty it's wild. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, it is an amazing thing. Just such a thrill to watch. I mean, it's an incredible process, you know, to see someone your age just turning 18 barely mm-hmm. over the 18 hump going at it like with such skill and fearlessness i want to go back to that word because you're fearless you get out there and just go you know there's no there's no holding back there's no hesitation a lot of things but there is 
this sense if something goes wrong of still dealing with whatever problem there is without fear with with concentration and focus i'm so proud of you for that you know because a lot of grown-ups never learn that a lot of and you're grown up now but i mean a lot of adults they just don't get it you know they they don't understand or they're they're too afraid to take that first step there's so many people i know who start their amazon account never sell a product they just don't know what to buy and my answer to that is just go to the store, get your Amazon seller app, and just start scanning anything. If you find it profitable, buy it and just try it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Most people, I would say like 80% of people who open an Amazon account don't even do more than $1,000 in sales, it's which that, is pretty crazy. That first step, which is the first yeah. step. And then from there, do one thing every day, just one thing every day, and, and try to increase it to two and three things that will advance, to pick the ball up and move it down the field a little. Mm-hmm. Just try something new as you go, and you'll find that it, it slowly grows, and you can get enough momentum to make it happen. Yeah. It's- One thing that really helped me out a lot is having the shoe background. So selling like bricks and I was already selling some of the same models I still sell or not still sell, but did for years like Air Forces, Air Maxes. I know places to get them for cheap. So I was able to just jump right into it. I knew what to buy. Stuff was already selling. Right. And I, I wasn't really hesitant at all because I'd already done a lot of volume from the shoes, from the Yeezys, from the Jordans. So I wasn't scared to spend 100000 on one product. It was something that I was already used to. Right, right. So one thing, if we have someone who's just starting out also, and you're young, like you're selling shoes now, and your parents are like, what are you doing, whatever. You know, just... Try to earn trust between the parents and the kids that are underage or even in their early 20s and 30s to get them to understand that you are able to do what you're doing. Like with mm-hmm. Dylan, it was slowly, step by step, 350, 2,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, 500,000 increments of getting capital to help him do what he needs to do. And then taking our hands off and letting him do what he's gonna do and trusting him each time at each stage that he could find his way. And it's a it's a very difficult thing to do, um, but if you can learn your child and learn to understand the process, that trust can be earned and amazing, amazing things happen. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend going down the road. It's an incredible adventure. Yeah. An amazing adventure. It really Boy, is. we have a lot more stories to tell too. Yeah. A lot more stories. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll have many more episodes in the future. I think this is a pretty good spot to wrap up. Yep. Uh, that covered most of the stories and yep. a lot of the stuff that's happened over the years. Yeah. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I am uh, at I am Dylan Sawyer on Twitter and Instagram. So go shoot me a follow. I'll be posting this up in a couple days, probably cool. Monday. It'll go live. And, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks.